now? Yeah, we are. We're well. We're that's awesome. <laughs> we're, are we're you going to play the little musical intro? I am because you know I was waiting for a few seconds um, before we got started, but now I'm going to press it. I just I'm just <laughs> experimenting. Here we go. We're like the newscasters that are having a conversation before they go on air. You know, I'm thinking, what if we get on a little bit earlier, let people know that we're that we're on, and then we, you know, then I'll press that the the, the bumper right at the time. So, <laughs> well, that works. I guess I'll welcome everybody now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Teamwork: A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier here with Spencer Horn, uh, my illustrious, esteemed colleague. Spencer, how you doing? I am great, and uh, I am always excited to, to be with you and how are you today what's you know what's with you today what's like, with me yeah your color looks <laughs> what's great with me? what is what i mean what's is you, me? you look great your it looks like you've been out in the sun you look healthy you look great uh, i well aside from just going for walks i haven't really been out in the sun much i did get a haircut this morning because ah. of, we're leaving town we're going to yellowstone on thursday and then next week i'll be in California for the National Genealogical Society conference uh, there, their annual convention, and uh, so I thought I better I better trim up, you know. So you hold on, of, you, you got it looks great, and you need to listeners what so genealogical that sounds like kind of boring, but really it's exciting because we're talking about ancestors and family history, and what does it have to do with you? Well, what it has to do with us is our startup Raconto. It's all built around family histories and storytelling. It's basically oral histories, giving a people an opportunity to request, record, and share their life stories. And so that's why we're there, is to help the people that attend that conference uh, learn how to do that. You know, I just uploaded my my son's and future daughter-in-law's wedding video that I created on, on Raconto, and I'm using it for... Uh, the wedding, you know, when guests come, they're actually, instead of just signing a register, we're going to have a little QR code where they scan that with their camera. They're going to get a message from the couple saying, hey, we'd love to hear, you know, any congratulations or advice you have for us. And so we're going to be collecting those videos instead of just, you know, little notes in a, in a book. And they can go back and watch those. And I think that's going to be fabulous. I think that is going to be awesome. I'm so glad they're doing that because by the end of the by the end of the wedding, they'll have a, a bunch of videos immediately uh, posted to their collection that they'll be able to view forever. Right. So that's fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Well, we, we got to get into our topic. I mean, I like the yeah, fact we that do. we're getting a little more succinct in our in our podcast, but we can maybe even do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're, we're trying to trim it down a little bit. Let's see if we can keep in our 30-minute uh, goal today, but I don't know if we're going to be able to do it because we've got a huge topic and a lot yeah. to talk about. So we do. Uh, Spencer, uh, why don't you give us a brief introduction to the topic that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, you know, we actually, it, it's a continuation of some of the, the conversation we had last week with, with Quinn Jones. We had a great guest last week, if you didn't hear about it, and, and he was talking about being, you know, an introvert in the teamwork environment. And, you know, it was interesting how now he's a, a CIO, a CTO of, of a financial services company. And, you know, he was talking about how 
when the pandemic hit, we were all concerned that productivity was going to take a huge hit. And we were so surprised as executives and leaders of organizations that that didn't happen. Well, last year, McKinsey and company did a survey of over 5,000 employees. And it was the results were actually quite shocking. And basically, we're, we're seeing a shift that is once in a lifetime that happens, or, or not even that much, that happens in the workforce. And that's why we're spending extra time to talk about it, because it's so, so important. I mean, if you think about some of the major shifts that have happened in, in how we work, go back to the Industrial Revolution, right, where we, we went from our fields to the to the factory, go to World War II when, you know, it, certainly in this country, more women started working than, you know, out of the home. And, and that's something that was, was, was really new. And then in the, in the 90s, we had this productivity revolution that came from things like email and being able to, you know, just be, be able to get so much more done with some of the, the tools that, that we have. Well, today, the, the, the big revolution that's happening was, first of all, going completely remote during, during the pandemic. But now the discussion is, how do, we, how do we go forward? And, you know, we've heard so many people say, we're, we're not going to go back to the way we've always done things. And so that next stage of how we work, which is not pandemic-induced, uh, it, it is when things start to get back to, to what we say is normal, they won't get back to normal, you know, but how's it going to look? And it, it is hybrid is what we're talking about, right? So some portion of in-person work and some portion of remote work. Well, the thing that is shocking about this research, Christian, is that almost 75% of executives that were polled in this C-suite were saying, we just got to go back to the way things were, right? We, we want to go back to, to, to normal operations in their mind, and that is always being in person. And the reason that they give for that is, you know, culture is, is taking a hit, um, and, and relationships have, have struggled. And it's true in some sense, you know, when we worked remotely that we weren't as connected and there were some failings in, in how we were to meet. And, and people, even employees, were reporting how they weren't feeling as connected as before. So a lot of executives are using that as an excuse to say, we've got to go back to that. Well, on the other side, the employees, according to research, 75% of them are saying, no way. We're not going back. We can't go back. And so that's what we need to talk about. What is you know, the, the gap in terms of expectation and the perspective of of leaders and how they're approaching this this shift in how we work, so that's the that's the setup. Well, that's quite a setup. Uh, it's interesting that, as you mentioned, about three fourths of the C suite are saying, "Let's go back to business as usual," for lack of a better term, and the inverse is saying, "No, right." And and it's interesting that that. Uh, if, and this is just from my lay person's perspective um, that that the that the executives, the C-suite, are saying, "Hey, we, we're at risk of losing our culture." I actually think the employees are saying, "We're building a different culture. Right. We have built a different culture over the last two years, and this is a culture that gives weight and priority." to freedom. 
the freedom for me to be able to kind of control how I operate. It's not so much about the activity, but it's about the results that I'm delivering. And, and this is a culture that's kind of been a bottom up thing. You know, it's like, we're getting used to this new life, being able to do a Costco run if we need to, uh, in the middle of the day, because we were having a dinner in the evening and, you know, not having to be in the office. So it's, it's interesting that you've got executives on one side, trying to preserve a culture that they have spent years decades millions of dollars uh in developing and preserving and you have your employees actually starting to develop a different culture in in many cases almost on their own by by figuring out how we work well you know uh, it's, it, in, it, you, in you a, said a couple of very important things there christian i mean i think one of the things you said is you know, stop worrying about activity and and stay focused on on results. And you know, in the beginning, I I, w I remember talking to a, a senior HR executive out of Los Angeles, and she was just apoplectic about how do we make sure that that people are doing what they say they're doing? How do we monitor activity so that we can we can keep that level of trust and. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. If you're focused on activity, then that's about control. And I think that's part of the challenge that we're having is there's this control from the C-suite that's saying, we need to do things our way. We need to, we need to say, this is how things are going to be because this is what we've always done. And this is how we've always done it. And the employees are saying, wait a minute. Uh, we're not going to have that. And if you're not going to ask us, we're voting with our feet. And that's one of the great, one of the major contributors to this, you know, massive resignation that's happened. It, it, but there's something else that, that, that I think is going on with when everybody went home. I mean, people have reported that it's, it's draining, it's stressful, right? Because uh, so much of that came from the fact that they didn't have daycare, that they had to do more of their own double duty, right? Work and care for their, for their family. But I think one of the things that, that is very important from this experience of working from home is people started to connect more with people in their life with, with those relationships that matter most. Think about how hard we've been working as a society, especially in the United States. I mean, we're a culture that, you know, chronically is about, you know, eating in our car while we're, or at our desk so that we can be all about productivity, productivity, productivity. And it's always about get, doing more and more and more and more. And so when we come home, we're literally exhausted. It's what, you know, that movie remains of the day, right? We, we, we usually, our loved ones got the, the, the least amount of us. Now people are out hiking. They're, they're wanting to travel. They, they want to have a, a livelihood. I, I actually saw that Goldman Sachs has now providing their executives with unlimited vacation time. Did you see that? I did not see that. I don't know how that works. Unlimited vacation time. Now, it, it's probably like my boss who says, listen, I don't care if you work 20 hours a week as long as you get your work done. I mean, that was his focus. It's not about activity. It's about getting the work done. And so maybe it's the same there. They realize that no one can take a vacation because their work never gets done. <laughs> but the point is, is that there's been now a taste of connecting with people that are most important, which is why we always say we go to work anyway, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. It's 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 in order to basically generate income enough uh, for ourselves that we can uh, enjoy those uh, connections with the people that matter to us the most. 
you know, one of the things that I, th that I think is really interesting, Spencer, I'm curious your take on this, is, is there are some in the C-suite who are saying, okay, fine, you want to work remote, you can work remote, but what they're doing is they are implementing through their IT teams bossware, right? It's like, okay, we're going to have technology that turns on the camera, that makes sure that the camera is left on all the time, that can even track your eye uh, focuses, actually look, making sure that you're looking at the screen, that tracks your keystrokes. You know, there's a lot of this kind of stuff going on now. And um, what's your take on that? I mean, do you think? The C-suite's oh, really understanding what employees want if they try oh, no, to. No, no, no. That's, that's, that, that's an exact, uh, uh, that's so interesting that you bring that up because that really is replicating what's going on with the, with this research. 75% want that control, right? And But there's that disconnect between what the employee wants. They want the freedom. Listen, if I know that I can take care of my family over here, if there's if my dog or my child or my, you know, you know, my elderly parent needs help. I can, I can do that. Um, but you're not going to penalize me for it. I mean, that's really a, a, a big point is that those who choose to work from home today are actually, some of them are, are not getting the, the, the boss FaceTime and promotions and there's, they're being penalized. I think it's a big mistake. And so what's happening is that companies are going to have to figure this out because they're losing their best talent. You know, we, we, we've seen companies hire people all over the world. Now, they realized, hey, I don't have to hire people that live right here in my city. I can hire someone in, you know, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and and they can be, you know, have a better quality of life because they can buy real estate for, a, you know, for less, and, and they can work for a company in, in you know, San Francisco or, 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 you know, wherever. And it doesn't matter because they can have a high quality of living and that's, that's what they want. So I think it's a big mistake. And, you know, just let's just look at some more of the, the research and, and, um, most C-suite executives report believing the primary center for work will be the office going forward before the pandemic. That was 92% uh, people worked uh, four days or or more in in the office, and eight percent worked three days or more. So most people were were spending most of their days in the office, with with few exceptions. Post pandemic, we're seeing now fifty two percent working four plus days, thirty six three plus days, and twelve percent two days. And so th there, there's a th that's a big shift, and you know that's what we're talking about is is this hybrid. You know I. It's interesting. One of the arguments for the C-suite is, is that culture is impacted. Well, I remember back in 2013 I, when I was the CEO of a, of a leadership company, Reporter Leadership. And we were struggling financially because we were just coming out of that last recession. And so we needed our seasoned salespeople. Well, what was interesting is we had some of those salespeople were actually causing some problems with you know the initiatives that I was trying to... Uh, to implement, and they were resistant to that. And, and you know, under normal circumstances, I, I probably would have fired those individuals. But we were in a in a mindset that we needed them. And so one of the ways that I solved that problem was kick them out of the office. I mean, we were in Las Vegas, and they, you know, they moved to to Florida, but it actually 
help the culture of the office to not have certain people because you know just do your job go out and sell and 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 close the deals but don't stir up drama in the office and so in that case it was actually improving the culture to not have someone in the office <laughs> well that's a really really interesting example um you know coming back to the statistics that you just mentioned there spencer yeah with uh, a larger percentage of people working in this hybrid mode. Uh, what advice would you give to the C-suite to make this hybrid work? Because it can work, but it also could not work. It could fail. So, you know, what are the what are the key drivers of success uh, in a hybrid model? That's a great question, and I'd actually love to hear from some of our listeners. If you're if you're listening, hop on and and in the chat on LinkedIn or any social media platform that you're on. If you if you have questions or comments, we'll you know we'll we'll pose them here. I, I think one of the, the the first things is is to you know if you think back at at Jim Collins' book, this was written years ago. Good to great. Remember he talked about level five leadership. And some of the characteristics of a, of a level five leader, in addition to, you know, incredible drive for, for success and resilience, which, you know, we need to have to lead any organization, was humility. And, you know, he, he gave examples of, you know, like a, a Lee Iacocca, that's not a level five leader. That's all about, you know, control and do things my way and, you know, keeping your finger down. He, he would, you know, Lee Iacocca probably wouldn't do very well in the new environment that where we have a lot of employees wanting to express their concerns and their doubts and their questions about how things are run. So the first thing is, I think, is a, is a level of, uh, of humility and realizing that, you know, we don't know how remote work is going is is most optimal. I know there's some companies actually have some clients that are doing a really good job at, of it. But I think it's going to take some experimentation. You know, is there a what types of meetings? So first of all, ask questions. What types of meetings do we actually need everybody in? Who needs to be at what meeting and for how long? Um, you know, what are the types of collaboration that we have to do in person? What's the structure of the office? You know, we talked to Quinn last week and he was talking about somebody who's uh, has lower extroversion. Could you imagine being working in these open collaborative environments all the time? There's really no space for, for thinking. And, and so some of the suggestions out there is to have a, a more flexible workspace where you, you can actually move walls and partition cubicles and open things up and then close them back up and a very easy way. So how do we, so the questions are, how do we structure the office to optimize collaboration? What kinds of collaboration can be done remotely? I mean, there's a lot of collaboration that can be done by me sending stuff to you and having you look at it remotely, you know, on, on Google docs or, or PDFs or, uh, you know, DocuSigns and all kinds of stuff that we can share information and rotate them around different teams all around the world. Um, and yet there are some types of meetings that are very, very productive and effective face-to-face. -face. So having those discussions and not just assuming the way we've done it in the past is the way we should do it going forward. And so saying, okay, what are the questions? How do we set this up? You know, who, where, when? And, and ask those W questions. And so if you say, okay, how does, how does, how does it look? I mean, how do we solve this? But 
when do we solve it and why are we solving this? I mean, to the same question, changing those, 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 those W uh, questions to really get the team thinking. But that means the C-suite Christian needs to actually listen and, and say, okay, um, I don't know the answer. Let's, let's be willing to test. Let's be willing to measure. Let's try some of this, you know, let's do some experimentation for our organization. Because every organization is different. I mean, you have software designers, you have professional services, you know, attorneys. I, I just had breakfast with a friend of mine, you know, from Las Vegas who now lives here in the Salt Lake City area. You know, and he works for a major bank, but he's a, you know, he's a, a, a relationship manager. And so he's, he's wearing a suit and tie. And he's out visiting the clients. And so everybody now is back in their office because that's the work that his, it's not a, I mean, that's not a good example of, of remote work because the work that he does requires him to be in the office and out in with his clients. You can't do that remotely, right? But so there's different, there's different types of businesses. So asking, how do we best structure it for our company? And so one of the ways that you can do that is, Reverse town hall meetings, right? Not coming into a, a a team meeting with, hey, this is what I want to do, but here's our opportunity as an organization. I'd love to hear from from you what's working, what's not, what can we do, what do you think is most effective in the meetings? Because there's going to be different people that have different opinions on meeting in person versus meeting at home. That's what kind of what we talked about last week with the you know, the, the introvert and, and team setting, right? Is, is that, exactly. are those a few ideas? <laughs> yeah, those are, those are fantastic ideas. Uh, you know, coming back to your point about humility, uh, it's a great opportunity now to, to showcase that a little bit because you can say, Hey, all right, we are in an unprecedented situation here. Uh, going back to this study, these are once in a lifetime shifts or once in a generation shift. This is really a lifetime or a generational shift in how we work. So it's okay to, to, it's okay to approach your workforce and say, we don't have the answers because we're facing something that we've, none of us have faced before, but you matter to us. And so we want to create a solution that is going to both allow the company to succeed and take into consideration how you want to operate. Because, I mean, honestly, I mean, if we look back over the last 20, 25 years, I mean, companies have been progressively uh, accommodating their employees, right? We, we started seeing it in the 90s with the software companies uh, relaxing the dress standards, we're business casual, everybody was wearing dockers all of a sudden, like, Dockers. You knew what Dockers were, right? But it all, all of a sudden in the 90s, it, we're all wearing Dockers and polo shirts. I'm still wearing a polo shirt. And, uh, and, and people start putting ping pong tables and, and uh, foosball in, in office spaces. And, and it's just kind of grown from there, admittedly, in some industries, perhaps more than others, depending on the kind of demographics of your, of your employee base. But we, we've seen this. We've seen this evolve over, over the last 20, 25 years, and the pandemic just kicked it in the rear and, and sent it forward probably you know, a couple of decades beyond what the normal trajectory would have been. But I think we were heading in this direction anyway. The pandemic just really, really accelerated it. 
We got a quote from so or a, a question from somebody there, Spencer. Yeah, Fotula Marku Voscu, and uh, I'm guessing Romania. I don't know. I, where Where are you from, Fotula? That sounds a beautiful name. Yeah, but but what she's saying is the C-suite doesn't listen, Christian. And you know, I actually had that conversation with one of my. Uh, you know, some one of, one of the people that I connect with on LinkedIn in Lebanon, right? She's a project manager. She's like, you know, we as project managers need to set the example of how we collaborate and work together, and and hopefully the C-suite will listen. Well, I'm saying that they're not. And and my question to you is, she's from Cyprus. Oh, Fosku, I should have figured that. That's right. That is, forgive me. Uh, that's great. Greek Greek name, wonderful. But what is um, why do you think they're not listening, Christian, from your perspective? Because they, they've not had the habit of listening. <laughs> they're asking them to do something new. It's like, oh, well, we never listened before. Well, how do we do this? Uh, it's right. a new thing. Well, I, and I think, that's, I think that's absolutely right. You know, the, the research says that there's this, what's called finish line mentality. In other words, the pandemic caused us to, to adapt. But at some point, there's going to be this finish line. If you recall, I remember one of our very first podcasts. I had that. I said, I, I said, this will end. Right. That's a very, that's a very definitive type of statement. And I think that's a, you know, we we want to get back to the way we've always done business. And I think, you know, that's what a lot of the C-suite is thinking is that we've got to get to the finish line, and then we're gonna everybody's gonna come back, and we're gonna get back to being highly, highly productive. Well, to to your point. We didn't know back when this started, we really thought it was going to be a few weeks. We're going to lock down things will get under control and then we just go back to normal. None of us had any inkling that two plus years later, uh, we would still be dealing with the impacts of this pandemic, which is, you know, still flaring up in locations around the globe. It's not ended yet. And it just goes to the point about humility. It's like, okay, we are doing something here we don't know. And, and you know, we made a judgment call back in March of 2000. And that judgment call was, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll shut down here for a couple of weeks and uh, things will calm down and then we'll get back to normal. And that didn't happen. And, you know, it is what it is. And now we're in the situation we're, we're in now and we don't know what the future is going like to look like a year or two from now. So let's focus on what we can do today and, and what we can do today is deal with how people are learning and appreciating how to how to operate in today's environment. And great, great points. And, and I'm going to I'm going to suggest another one other possible reason why C-suite doesn't listen. You know, if if you're new in a role, think about what happens when when an executive comes in, they, they want to put their stamp on the culture. They want to show the value. I, I see this mostly with newly promoted executives at, at any level, um, there is a there is a surprising lack of humility because they want to prove that they deserve to be there. And so a lot of the time it is, hey, I've got the ideas, I've got the the you know the direction, follow me. That's what's what a leader does, right? Is is get out front and everybody follows. But I think part of that is and antithetical to humility. I've just gotten promoted, and I think some of the best leaders are like, let me go on the road, do a road show, and meet with people. That could be meeting with them in the lunchroom. If you think of Tony Shea, what was Tony Shea's company? 
you know the oh. shoe the, the shoes and i forget the name of the company Every, somebody online will 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 tell us um but he actually had his desk out with everybody else i mean he didn't have his you know citadel office where he was removed from people he was out with with the people i think being a ceo that puts yourself in contact with your frontline employees with your middle management uh, with with um you know not coming in thinking you have all the answers or proving that you deserve to be there and and being a little bit comfortable with the fact like what you just said is that we don't have all the answers and that's hard to do because we're usually looked at by, with investors and, and you know we have to have those answers and so that's why i think some of that pressure comes um we've got several several comments um let's see here bring them on so I'm going to I'm going to put these up here. We've got Patrick Morrison says as the sales and safety manager of our company. Oh my gosh, I just uh it says when the boss sees me in the office, he asks jokingly, "What I'm doing here?" <laughs> Fill your tank up and and go, he says. Our customers appreciate seeing me visiting them in the field and staying in touch. Well, Patrick, that's great. First of all, you've got you've got one of the the enlightened C suite. I'm so glad that you're you're saying that because it's not everybody. I mean, we're talking about you know, the, the numbers are are pretty clear about that there is a mindset that we 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 want to force things, you know, and 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 there is a we didn't share the rest of the research. Most employees today, like 64% of them are wanting this 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 flexible work model, and um, so you have a good CEO Patrick that is that is encouraging you to be out. And of course, the the calculus that we we have to ask when we're thinking about how we're going to be hybrid is what's best for our customers. And and so that's a great point, Patrick. It's not just about what's best for the employee or or the company. We need to consider all of that in the calculus. So let's see. We've got somebody else. Uh, here's yeah, let's a question. Get another from, one in here. Yeah, from Lynette. Set. So, go ahead. Why don't you address that, Christian? Let's see. Well, I got to read it here. This is a quite a, an extensive comment. So, do we come to an agreement as a community on the way forward, or does each individual get to do what they want? Ah, that's very good. I see individuals saying, "I get to do what I want, or I leave." So, does the whole company have policies, or team by team? It is so complex right now. I love that comment. So my thoughts on this, uh, and then I'll turn it over to the person that actually knows what they're talking about. Which and, is she, and she says Zappos. That's right. Totally. I forgot that it was Zappos with Tony Shea's company. Thank oh, that, you. That, Thank that, you, Lynette. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, this, and this turns back to the humility uh, equation. Uh, I'll go back to my sports background, use a sports analogy, right? And in, in, in uh, say, uh, professional basketball, for example, uh, what the coach does uh, and the general manager, they put in a system and a culture in place, but, they, but they, the, the really good coaches, what they do is they adapt their system to make maximum use of the players so the so the system and the players, they have to fit uh, each other. And, and so, you know, unfortunately, I, what I'm going to say is, is sometimes, you know, in, in, a, in, the, in the NBA or in the NFL, uh, players get drafted 
and they're not a good fit. And it's not because they're not talented. It's just they just don't really fit uh, the way that the team is constructed. They don't have really great chemistry. And sometimes you have to move on. And I think when it comes to this particular question, you know, it almost comes down to kind of an individual uh, basis to say, okay, well, we've developed a culture here and it works. And we're putting in place in this, this hybrid culture. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, then we adapt. But, but um, we're never going to be able to please everybody. And there may be some individuals that, um, you know, it's just not going to be a fit. And, and they might need to move on. But really what you do as a coach is you put it in that plan to accommodate your best players. <laughs> and then you try to feel the role, you know, find the, the role players that are gonna fit into that plan. And sometimes you find a role player, not great, but you but you still are doing everything in, in your power to, to, uh, to accommodate your elite player, right? Right. The stars of the but, team. So, so then, so to Lynette, you know, this is a complex issue because in today's society, there becomes this comparison and whether or not that's fair. You know, I how come I don't get to work in the uh, uh, from home and and so and so does, and, um, and and so that's part of the culture where you know I was really interested. I, I've talked about Kelvin, my mentor, many times on this show, but one of the things that I think that he taught that I know that he taught me that relates to this is. He hired me to be the the director director of operations. I became the VP of operations. This was a publicly traded company, and one and, and I was second in in command, so to speak. And one of the things he told me says, Spencer, you know, our our director of sales is going to make more money than you. Because that's that's just the way it is in the sales environment. Even though you are some executives, like, well, you you know, you you report to me, but you're making more money than me. That can't be that way. And that's a you know, and, and so they're like, it's all about ego, right? It's like, I, I totally get that. I mean, his role was different than mine and he would get commissions and all that sort of stuff. And I had, I had a different role. And so he made more money than me. And I was totally fine with that. But we have a society right now that's all so focused on fairness. I, you know, there, there, there are different industries. I mean, I think about going, I, I went and had breakfast this morning at a restaurant downtown Salt Lake and there's everybody, I, I, you know, you just can't work remotely in a restaurant. Fast food, those industries are just exempt from this conversation because they have to be in the restaurant. But I, I, I also think, you know, inherent in her question is, do we let, quote unquote, the inmates run the asylum, right? If everybody gets to choose how they work, that creates chaos and, and, and that's a problem. So, but I think part of the discussion that we're having is executives can't, managed by fiat. Command and control doesn't work today. But it is to have a discussion and maybe experiment, right? You may even have pilot groups. So not everybody is is working hybrid, but maybe what you do is you test out a, a situation with a pilot group and see how it works, you know, with a rotating schedule. I mean, I mean you design it. You, you get to figure that out. But I think you involve the employees in that process. And I think then when you do that, you get you get greater buy-in and, and you, it, it's not just, Hey, we're going to go back to the office because we said so. If that's what the policy is, show us the research and show us the, the, you know, the, the rationale behind that, that we have to do that. If that doesn't exist, let's experiment and test and create our own. Well, sometimes people will be willing to accommodate a less than ideal solution. If they felt they've been heard, 
And, and, uh, and so it comes back to the listening, you know, maybe the CEO has to make an unpopular decision, but as long as they've demonstrated that they have understanding, yeah, then, then people can, it's more likely for them to accept it. All right. We've got another one here, Spencer. What is it? Patrick again says our owner and president is only in the office from 6am to 620am. <laughs> then won't come back until 430 he visits as many people as job sites as possible every day, and he stays in touch. Well, great. I'm glad that works for for your industry. I'd love to know what what industry you're in, Patrick. Hey, we've got we've got several more comments here. Here's uh, Ibrahim from uh, he's in the UAE right now, I believe. Is that I, isn't that right? Uh, or Dubai, working on a major airport project over there. So. Ibrahim says the secret recipe is to be able to measure value, not time. That's that's exactly what Christian was saying earlier. Uh, I do not believe the the future business shift will be towards perform. Uh, I do believe the future business shift will be towards performance, not time spent in the office. You know, you're you're working on a major project in the United Arab Emirates, uh, but you're there. Right, and, and so I'd I'd love to hear how that's how that's working, and 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 I know you work from from maybe uh, on site sometimes, and maybe you work home. I'd love to hear how your your hybrid uh, situation is working there. Thoughts on that, Christian? Well, that's uh, exactly what I've been saying. It's all yeah. about the outcomes. Well, it's not all about the outcome, but it is in in reality. And uh, so so it's not about how much time you spend on something. It's it's what's the outcome. Vicky, Victorine from uh, Beirut area. I'm so glad you're on the show with us. Thank you for, for listening. At some point, the pandemic had altered the balance of power between employees and employers. What do you make of that? Uh, well, I think people felt more confident in leaving a job to find another. And, uh, and so... That hence the great resignation or great reorganization or great whatever we want to call it has happened because people feel like okay well it's time for me to take a chance and and try to do something else and and unemployment rates right now are extremely low and so there's a competition for for a lot of good talent and so people which is giving which is giving power to the employees. Exactly. Right. You know, you've got, I, I saw that Walmart store managers are now being offered 200,000 US dollars and they still can't get enough store managers in, in a Walmart. Maybe we need to go work there. <laughs> yeah. Where do I sign up? <laughs> so, so to, to, to Vicky's point, I mean, th there's absolutely more, more power, but what's, What's interesting, I mean, I'm interested to know what is this gap creating is that you've got more power going to the employees and we, we got to be careful that it doesn't swing too far, right? And I think that's kind of what Lynette was talking about. Do we, do we just, you know, let anything go? What I'm talking about is, is, is an enlightened approach where we are partners. It, it, we truly are partnering with, and, and you're exactly right. I loved your analogy with, with sports. There are some people that may not work well with that or are making demands that are unreasonable. And, you know, if I was, if I had the courage back in 2013, I would have let this employee go. And I look back at that and there was a lot that, that they weren't a great fit for the culture. 
but they were one of our top producers and, and we feared losing that, that revenue. And so we made decisions based on fear rather than what was best for, for the culture. Uh, and I think that happens a lot of times, you know, business leaders are making decisions out of fear. They, I, I think they fear losing control of the culture or their power as executives. But a, a truly humble leader is like, you know what, it's not about my control. It's about what's best for the customers. And many times what's best for the customers is, you know, our employees are happy. Do they have a, do they have mental health? Do they have, you know, good quality of life and balance? Are they able to enjoy life or are they just working, grinding their, their lives away for a paycheck? It's really interesting you say that Spencer, because, uh, what you can say or what you deduce from that is the 75% of executives that want to return to the status quo, you know, there is a, there is a portion of them and it could be even be a majority of them that are making that decision out of fear, as you would just, as you would just mention. but is fear motivating the other side, the employees? I don't think so. I don't think it's really a fear thing. There's something about wanting this freedom, right? So, so uh, I, think, I think it's a really, really good point for CEOs to take stock honestly. What is driving my desire here? Is it driven out of fear or is there something else that's driving it and, and, uh, and then taking appropriate action? Yeah, no, great, great, great question. And, you know, this, this research said that back, back in July of last year, at that time, 40% of those 5,000 employees that surveyed were considering leaving their jobs. So that's a, that's a big, big number. We have some more comments. I, I love your comments, you guys. Keep them, keep them coming. Unfortunately, you're making this go a little longer, which is... That's all right. It's not we're unfortunately. Just, we're I'm just talking to folks here. I'm being facetious. So Lynette says, my friend had a 25,000 square foot call center, only 25 people showing up. My former company just built a 50 million third building with a huge cafeteria. CEOs thinking about costs with brick and mortar. Oh, you know, it, 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 these are real issues, real, real problems. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you think about one, the problems that we're having with, with our gas prices right now. Well, part of that is because investment capital has gone to green energy. And there's been a tremendous amount of pressure for investors and companies to invest in green energy and let some of the investment in, in wells and in refineries. I mean, to, to bring some of the refineries back online that we need that have been shut down would cost millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they were investors were disincentivized from investing in that and incentivized for investing in green. You know, we're, we're so far behind. But capital, it, it is a huge, huge risk to invest in that brick and mortar and 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 maybe have the you know the, the employees or the market take that uh, a, a, that investment and and just not and just have it be wasted that is uh, that is a challenge for some so but I think we need to get creative about how we structure you know our call centers a lot of the call centers can be all managed remotely and and that can bring tremendous savings to some organizations I don't know the answer Lynette and, and um, you know, you know, she also talks about how working from home creates some problems because there's so much background noise, dogs and babies and children and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I think people are getting a little bit more used to it. Uh, 
you know, at the beginning it was annoying and stuff, but now, I mean, if you're like me and you're on remote calls all day and there, there's somebody with a dog there, it's like, okay, well, there's a dog, you know, it's, it's not going to kill us. We can, we can deal with it. You know, I, I think people are becoming a little bit more understanding, maybe not all the time. You know, sometimes it's, it's really, really super annoying if you're in a very uh, loud space. But I also think that that raises a very, very important point which is remote work favors people who have the space to remote work. If you're living in a really cramped studio apartment, it's difficult to remote work if you're sitting there at the kitchen table and, and you know, people can't, your family can't eat or whatever because you're sitting there in a meeting. I mean, you are know? you distracted but, in the office with everybody together or are you distracted at home? <laughs> no, but you know, if you don't have the, if you don't have a space at home, that is optimal for remote work. It can be difficult for people. And I, and I do think that there's something that we have to be careful of in, in, our, in, in society where uh, a remote work situation uh, favors those who are more economically able to take advantage of it and it punishes those who are not, yeah. whether they are working low wage jobs where they have to show up at the warehouse, they have to show up at the restaurant, whatever it is, or because of the very, very high cost of living, they're not able to actually afford a space that is optimal for remote working. And so it becomes very difficult. This also applies to education, right? Where uh, children who are remote working, we've heard about this a lot during the pandemic, where children uh, uh, of low income uh, homes, you know, very, very small uh, living apartments where, you know, especially with uh, multiple children in the home, it was very, very difficult for them to get a good education because they didn't really have the space uh, that was optimal for learning in their home environment. I think it's something that uh, CEOs need, they need, the C-suite needs to take that into consideration. Oh, you, I, I agree hundred percent. Well, uh, Patrick says, you know, when, when you hear the dog barking, then ask him what the dog's name is. He's, he uses that as an icebreaker to, to create some commonality. And he also says that, you know, working in his office is actually more distracting because of all the noise than, than being out in the field or, or working from home. And so, you know, that's where the flexibility has to come in, Christian. You know, we need to wrap up here, but here's what, here's what I know. We're not going to solve this today, next week next year. This is going to be a multi-year experiment about how we get there. And we need to read. So I, I think the focus that, that I'd like to leave us with is how do we, how do we reduce the disconnect between what employees want and what employers want? That's really the definition of success, which was, you know, what we build this conversation. Are you ready for the new definition of success? And that is, is that we have conversations with our employees that are productive at solving this hybrid problem that, or opportunity would be the better word, that we don't know the answer to today. You know, we need to, um, I just, I, I love being in person. I mean, I personally find that talking with you here virtually is awesome. I, you know, I, but I love when you and I get together for lunch. It's a different type of conversation. It's a different feel, isn't it? There, there's greater trust and greater opportunities for relationships. There, there's, there's not the same distractions. You are, you know, when you go to a conference, you have more sidebar time, more time to, to, to so we, we still need those. 
So the hybrid model needs to be able, we need to be able to recognize that there has to be times to get together. And I think that speaks back to, you know, Lynette's question is that in some cases, you know, those offices and that brick and mortar are still needed. But the the ratio and, you know, how much time we spend at home or collaborating and what the size of that, how the, how the space is configured, those are all the things that we need to answer over the next few years. But executives need to be sincere about wanting to find the answer and not just have that finish line mentality, which is really a fixed mentality, right? So be willing to have, we've been listening, a lot of executives have been listening, keep that going. So figure out what's causing the gap between your employees' expectations or your beliefs about how things should be. If you don't, there will be a cost. I mean, people are, 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 they're not just discussing, they're not waiting for you to figure things out. They're voting with their feet and droves. And there is a huge cost in that. Absolutely. When you say 40% of, of employees are looking at other options, they're actively seeking uh, or considering other options, that's a huge number. That is well, a massive number. You know, and I want to say one more thing. You you brought a, a great guest, Lisa Meyer. Uh, did I, what? Oh my gosh, I forgot her name. Which Lisa? No, it was two weeks. Were you ago. talking about Amy Murray? Amy Murray. Oh my gosh, I, I spaced out. And, and one of the greatest, you know, pieces of advice that she gave is to be clear about who goes to the meetings and make those meetings matter, so that people don't feel like they're just, you know, I, I, there's this, this show, you know, one of those Muppet shows, the dark crystal. You remember how the, those Skeksis, they would suck the lives out of the, you know, the little people. That's what some of those meetings are like. It's just soul sucking, right? I mean, or, or one of my all time favorites is Joe versus the volcano. Remember he goes into that office and he's like, the lights are just suck, 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 you know, sucking the life out of them. Meetings do that to a lot of people and it reduces engagement. And I think if you have great meetings that are planned, that really helps to, uh, you know, and, and doing that right. I think when executives do that right, they're going to they're gonna see greater engagement. Well, we have a few more comments. Let's see, April. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this up here. Um, she says, try remote working from a camper for two months with three dogs, a parakeet, and two children. <laughs> I'm well, I'm, I'm down for that. Uh, yeah. I'd like that to hear more fun. about that, April. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except, you know, having to, having to change out the gray water and the black water, uh, from oh, yeah. your RV. Yeah. It's not my favorite thing. But, well, I'm uh, actually going to do an RV trip. I'm so, I, I, I just got booked to go speak in Indonesia. And, uh, so I'm going to be speaking in, in Monterey, California on the 2nd of October. And then I'm going to fly on the 3rd to Indonesia for, and then I'm back to Bend, Oregon, and then my wife and I are going to rent a, a, a motorhome and drive down the, the 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 California and Oregon coast back to San Francisco. I'm excited. I don't know if I'll do much work though, April. Uh. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's so great to to talk with you. I hope that you know what we're talking about is um, is being listened to and and received. We don't know what hybrid working is going to look like or what success in that space is going to look like. But one of the things that I think we need to get away from is this idea of ceremonial leadership, command and control, top down, finished, you know, finish line thinking, we've got to get back to the way they used to be, 
to more significance. And significant leadership is more of that level five leadership where we are connecting with our people and finding out what that combination is. It is a complex question. It's why we're spending so much time on it. And I, and I think it's really, really important. Well, that's all I have to say about that, Christian. I don't know. You got any other thoughts? Well, let's, let's, let's wrap a bow on this thing here. Uh, thank you, Spencer, so much. Thanks to all the, the viewers and listeners for the comments. Uh, we really appreciate you engaging with us and uh, offering very, very thoughtful uh, opinions, recommendations, and, and questions. Spencer, if more people want to learn more about what you do and how you could help them with this hybrid uh, model and other uh, issues, challenges that uh, the C-suite faces, uh, what's the best way for them to contact you? You know, thank you, Christian. They can come to our website at Altium Leadership, that's A-L-T-I-U-M Leadership, Dot com. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Spencer Horn. Thank you, Lynette. We're so glad that you you joined us. But, yeah, thank you, know, you Lynette. <laughs> so Patrick says, I'll buy the gas. Where do we meet? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're so glad that you joined us in April and, and Vicky and, and Lynette, uh, all those in Ibrahim, all the way from UAE. It's, it's, it's evening time there. We're just so, so grateful for those of you who listen to us. And, you know, what I, I really love the work that I do, helping teams perform at a higher level. And this really is a teamwork. I mean, our, our, our focus on this topic, on, on this podcast is teamwork a better way. And this is, a, this is something we're learning right now, how to, how to make teamwork a better way in that remote environment. And, and it's an important discussion that needs to be had. So thank you for that. And Christian, you know, you didn't talk about, you've been up, early in the morning talking with uh, folks in China and telling stories about the Olympics. So not only are you doing this for families, but for businesses, right? So tell us a little bit more about how they can find you on Raconto. Yeah, so you can visit our website, raconto.io, R-A-K-O-N-T-O.io. Uh, you can also reach me on LinkedIn. Just look for Christian Napier on LinkedIn, and I'd love to connect with anyone. So Spencer, thank you. Listeners and viewers, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We will catch you again next week. I don't know. I, I'm at a conference next week, so I don't know what we're going to be doing. But we'll yeah, we'll figure, we, out. we'll figure it out. We'll get it. We'll, we'll get it posted and, and uh, online. But normally we have a, a guest and a meeting. But I'm excited you're going to be at that conference. It may not. It probably won't be Tuesday, but we'll have something that we'll we'll get back to you on. Yeah, we'll. And, we'll and you guys, it out. listen. If you will message me about something you'd like us to talk about. Give us some topics that we can we can address that you would like to hear. I'd love to hear from that uh, from you on that, so that we can we can give you more valuable, uh, actionable content. Fantastic idea, Spencer. Thank you, viewers and listeners. Please like and subscribe to us, and we'll catch you again soon.